You are listening to the Wildlife Photography Podcast with Rob Reed and Josh Galicki, bringing together the love of nature and photography. Episode 14, why we shoot with the camera brands we do. Hey, Josh, how's, how's life across the pond? Hey, Rob, doing pretty good. Uh, enjoying the last throws of summer and getting excited for migration. I'm starting to see things on the move. Uh, yeah, so things are going well. Yeah, well, we were just chatting actually before we started recording this, and I was just saying it's 30 degrees over here. It doesn't feel much like, um, much like autumn at the moment. <laughs> it's more like high summer. Yeah, I've, I think today here, I'm, and I'm in Maryland on the eastern shore, it's about, I think it's 92, 93, yeah, uh, and so it feels pretty, it. <laughs> pretty hot. Yeah, it's pretty hot. It's not, it's not far off that here, and it's, we've got so much humidity. It's, mm. um, it's really quite sticky. I've got the fan on going as we're, I mean, it's 11 o'clock at night <laughs> when we're recording this, and I've got the wow. fan going and the windows open and bugs flying in and that sort of thing. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, the summer certainly isn't over quite yet, but. So I'm looking forward to the autumn, actually, you know, all the migrants coming in and, you know, the leaves starting to turn and the fungi appearing in the woodland and all this sort of stuff. So, uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to, yeah, to getting out and shooting some fungi, actually. I want to have, some, you know, some, some fun with those this year. That does sound great. Yeah. So the first thing, I really ought to apologize to everybody for screwing up the um, the recording <laughs> last time around and, and uploading the wrong audio file to episode 13 originally. So I know that <laughs> caused a bit of confusion with everybody. So was, apologies for difficult. my senior <laughs> moments. <laughs> it was very difficult to repeat and do two interviews with Henley Spears. But yeah, but we did it verbatim. <laughs> as well it was amazing <laughs> we're that good <laughs> who'd have, who'd have thought it huh <laughs> who'd have thought it and they say these things aren't scripted <laughs> which they're not they're entirely in fact they're entirely off the cuff i should really make a few more notes when we do these things but i kind of like the organic nature of them to be honest with you true you know we, we we all start off with a bit of an idea and i might write a few bullet points down but um apart from that we we generally just just go with the flow, uh, which is what we're going to do today, actually, because we we, we thought we'd talk about uh, why we shoot with the camera systems that we do and the things that we like about them, because I'm a Nikon shooter. I know, Josh, you shoot Canon. Mm -hmm. And it's not going to be, you know, this is not intended to be a Nikon versus Canon, you know, face off or anything like that. I just, you know, I, I, to, to be honest, I, I think everybody has enough of that sort of stuff. Uh, but I, I just think cameras are a very personal thing. And I, I, I just thought we we could talk about, you know, why we we, we like the cameras that we shoot with and, and, and why they're sort of so personal to us. Um, so, so, Josh, how, I mean, I, I've actually have shot with Canon. I started with, with Canon and then made the switch a few years ago. I know you've not shot Nikon, but what, what sort of led you down the Canon path originally? You know, I think like most people, it was completely by accident. Um, one of the first, one of the first uh, DSLRs I bought back in the day, I guess it was the first. Now that I'm thinking about it, was an old Rebel, and it was a Rebel uh, Canon Rebel. And because I started shooting that, you just get used to the functionality, you get used to the menus, you start to buy a lens or two, and then you decide to upgrade. And you're normally kind of in that system, so. It was accidental, actually. I just decided to buy a Rebel years ago. Um, 
I, I can't remember if this was the Andre Agassi days, if you recall. He was the, he was yeah. the uh, the rebel the rebel sponsor. They used to run ads and the like, and uh, that's where I started. And I never looked back from there. Um, have I decided or have I thought about switching systems and the like? Sure, I think a lot of people have, and they have. People have gone back and forth. Some have even returned to an old brand. A friend of mine was uh nikon i say nikon but uh a friend that's a i guess a north american thing a friend of mine who shot nikon for years switched to sony and actually just went back to nikon so you know it happens all the time me it just so happens i've just stayed within canon because it's just something i know yeah i mean because i started life with canon as well i mean i had the i think the first well the first dslr i bought was um the 300d which is mm-hmm. like, you know, I, I think it was about four or 500 pounds or, mm-hmm. you know, probably about 500 US at the time. I guess this must have been about maybe 2004, 2005, perhaps. And I think it was about six megapixels or something like that. It was one of their sort of entry level cameras. And yeah, that, that's where I started. And then very quickly, I not long after I bought that, they came out with a 5D, the original Mark One you know, the 12 megapixel 5D, which was like a game changer of a camera at the time. It was a famous camera, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was it was the camera to have. So I bought one of those. I ended up with with two of those and I shot with those up until. Oh, crikey, it must have been about 2012, 2013 even, because I didn't, although, you know, they obviously had the Mark II and probably the Mark III out by by then. I didn't feel the need to spend the money on those camera bodies going forward and in the end i ended up switching uh, to nikon i say nikon you say nikon hey uh, <laughs> and uh, i ended up switching for no other reason other than the people that i was working with at the time uh, the two of them both shot with nikon so it kind of made sense if i was going to upgrade my gear which i needed to at that point to say well actually let's switch to Nikon because then we can sort of gear share to a degree. So that's what I did. And I ended up buying a secondhand D800 uh, with, uh, I think I ended up, I did go and buy a new 70 to 200 F 2.8, but I bought a secondhand 24 to 70, which I've still, I've still got those lenses uh, and sort of started from there really. And I, and that D800 I had for eight or nine years until I, bought the 850 about 18 months ago something like that and of course now i've splashed out and got the z9 because of course i had to um and i've kind of been you know so for the last 10 years it's really just been or is it 10 years probably getting on for it's just been 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 nikon and i I, yeah i've just grown to to love the brand uh and i just like the way the camera looks and feels and i like the i just like everything ergonomically it fits my hand really well i think that's 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 got to be part of it hasn't it you've just got to it's rather like a car it's such a such a personal thing you can't Mm -hmm. sometimes describe why you like something but you just do and you feel comfortable with it and i think that's what you get to in the end doesn't you feel comfortable with something you know it's not necessarily a you know yeah, ergonomics are important. It's interesting you mentioned that too. And a lot of people will mention to me that like, I love how this feels in the hand. And it's something that a lot of people, they overlook, if you will. And they're like, oh, well, what about the megapixel, the frame count? Ergonomics are important to a lot of people. 
the more the more and more people I, I, I speak to, other photographers, especially in the wildlife community, because you're out there with your gear for extended amounts of time, or you're sitting in a prone position, you're in a blind or whatever. Ergonomics are important, and a lot of people underestimate just how how important ergonomics are to a lot of folks. For me, they're important. Um, I have to say, and again, I, I'm comparing brands. I don't want to do it too much in the conversation, but for instance, um, and this is just me, I don't have. Oh, this is going to go down a weird road. I don't have huge hands. I don't have small hands either. I'm like sound like somebody else talking recently. But uh, at the end of the day, if Sony, for instance, some of the recent um, mirrorless cameras that they released, and if you don't have the battery grip on them, they're actually quite small, and they kind of market to that that it's small and compact. But you know, for me, I like something a little bigger actually, just because it's comfortable and sometimes bulkier is actually better. Smaller and sleek isn't always the solution when it comes to camera equipment. Camera equipment, and I know it, it, ergonomics is a whole rabbit hole in and of itself, but it's something that's I think often overlooked when people think about camera brands. Yeah, and I think actually, you know, you saying those things, it's sort of when I'm out photographing birds, and you know, you've got the you know the the reasonably long lens the majority of the time. Uh, yeah, and it's I just find that. When I've balanced that sort of the two to 500, which is the lens I use most of the time because I just find it so versatile, you know, with that sort of zoom range and it's fairly lightweight, but the two sort of go together quite well. They're quite nicely balanced, you know, with a, with the, with a Z9 having that built in grip, you know, you, when you mm. do a vertical, you know, you've got all the, you've got, the, you've got all the dials and buttons in the right places and, and all that sort of thing. And I, I'm with you. I having sort of shot with other systems and tried them out, you know, the sort of, you know, the micro four thirds type systems with the smaller bodies and everything. They're great for saving weight and everything, but they, they, to me, they don't feel quite the same in the hand. And I think that if I, if money were no object for me, I think I would shoot two systems. I would have probably a micro four thirds system like OM, uh, with you know just for for saving weight because when i go for let's say i go for a long hike somewhere and i'm doing more landscapes or abstract nature type stuff i don't need the full frame camera there's just you know it's 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 a it's a non-issue for me that yeah. when, I'm, when i'm doing that sort of stuff all i'm interested in is saving the weight but when i'm out doing birds i kind of i kind of like having something a bit more chunky in my hand. Cause I mean, I'm like you, I don't have huge hands, you know, then they're not, you know, they're not tiny, but they're not, they're not huge, but the Nikon just sits in them really nicely and all the buttons are at the fingertips as they should be. Yeah. And I, I, there's just something about it that I, I really like. And apart from anything else, it's built like an absolute tank, you know, yeah. all the cameras I've, I've had, you know, the, the 800 E the 850 and now the Z nine. I mean, they're just, they're all built, you know, the quality of them is, 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 I think, second to none. I can't compare them to the Canon because, you know, I've not shot with a Canon. And as yeah. you say, this isn't a comparison thing. It's probably you, similar, I would say. Uh, you know, yeah. there's not a high degree of variability. I think the biggest degree of variability that you have right now as a consumer, exactly to what you just said, like with the Micro Four Thirds OMD, I wouldn't mind having a system like that too because so many times – I have to get to locations that include a lot of hiking, you're walking miles, you're trekking, you know, you're climbing boulders, whatever. Um, I was actually just at a 
not that long ago at a hawk watching site. So it takes, you know, a long time to get up there. I'd love to have something light. And really, there is a trade-off there. You're um, you know, you have something that's light, that's durable, that you can easily throw in your pack. It's not going to take up a lot of space. And you can bring it with you on a hike, but at the same time, there is some sacrifice there when it comes to depth of field, ISO performance. Um, but you, you know, you trade that away for, you know, something that's light and compact and it's going to get you the reach and you're going to be able to use it when you need it. And your back isn't going to be broken. So there's, yeah. there, there's always, I think there's more of a trade-off between the micro four third system and, you know, the traditional systems, if you will, versus just what we're talking about Canon and Nikon. I think actually that is exactly what you, you know, those two points you made about depth of field and, uh, ISO performance are the very reason that I stuck with full frame hmm. and yeah. didn't go down the route of micro four thirds and a lighter body. Uh, just, just for those reasons, because as, uh, for my photography and you, you know, that sort of, that nice shallow depth of field that I like, and it just, I, I don't know, it just didn't sit perfectly with me, but for the sort of landscape, the more abstract style images that you would, t I would take certainly if I were out walking. I mean, I did a, I did a 15 mile walk a couple of weeks ago uh, along a section of disused canal in Powys in Wales. Mm. Uh, and I, you know, I took Sky out for, you know, she came along with me and we just had a nice, nice walk for a whole day, but I had to take the camera, but I took the Z9. Uh, I think I had this 24 to 70, the macro lens and, uh, maybe I, did I restrict it? I think I restricted it just the two lenses because of the weight. When you factor in all the water and the food you've got to take with you as well, you know, and I had to take a tripod, of course. It adds you know, up. And there was a light. And actually at the end of the day, you know, your back's just shot, yeah. you know. You're, you're, and, you pass boot camp. You're like ready for basic training. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you think, oh, you know, if only I had a micro four third system, it would be perfect yeah. for that sort of thing. But but generally speaking, you know, as an artistic photographer, the way I like to take images of birds in particular, I think that full frame camera, you know, with that with that really lovely sort of shallow depth of field that you can get, and, you know, let, well, let's come on to talk about ISO performance, actually, because I think that's that's one of the areas. And as I said, this isn't, a, you know, Nikon versus Canon, who wins type of conversation. But I do think that and I've always thought this having shot the two systems, although obviously the, the Canon system I shot was a very early iteration of, of, of where they are now. Uh, I really do think that the ISO performance of the Nikon is better. And I think most people would would agree with that, particularly. I mean, what's is it, I forget what you is it the R three you've got? Yeah, I have the R three and the R five. Canon hasn't released much in the way of um, well, at least on the the pro grade and kind of the the pro the professional body. They haven't done much really since you know it's been a little while now. They've they've been doing a lot for some of the consumer releases like uh, with the R ten and some of the the other things, but on the on the higher end mirrorless cameras, they really haven't done much in a while. The R3, yeah. I think, was their last release to that regard, which was, geez, two years now, maybe in a year yeah. and a half. I'm I mean, two, two years is like, uh, is like you know, yeah. an, you know, and, an and age in photography terms. And it, it, it's been slowing down a lot. I think it's just kind of the hangover from the chip shortage, COVID, you know, there's, you know, a lot of things going on, I think, on the supply chain there. So, and 
we're probably seeing the effects of some of the hangovers here. Like Canada should have, they were going to have, I think the R1 out in 2023. It sounds like maybe we'll get an announcement. That's, you know, the, I guess the Z9 competitor, I guess on the Canon side, the old um, 1DX3 into mirrorless. Uh, I don't know, maybe 20 F, you know, 2024 at some point, maybe even the end of 24. I don't know what the latest rumors are, but it, it's it, things are taking longer than what they used to a couple, just a couple of years ago before the pandemic. But I have to say, going back to weight quickly, when we when we met at the airport, you know, and you handed me the R three, <laughs> it's like it's so much lighter it, than the Z nine. Yeah. It, it looks you know, it a really lot is. heavier than what it is. Yeah, it yeah, it looks like a one DX when you're picking it up, and it's like, oh wow, it's really yeah, nothing. Yeah, no. It it was. I reckon it's got to be two thirds of the weight. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the stats are. Somebody will tell us in the it, comments. It feels I'm sure, light, but... and it's got the ergonomics. That's that's one yeah. really good advantage. You know, one thing I'll, I'll mention just really quickly, Rob. Uh, you know, when you were talking about depth of field, is it? You know, we were talking about micro four thirds. I'm kind of the op. I, I think I'm the opposite when it comes to depth of field and using certain lenses. So. If I'm really close to an animal and I'm taking a portrait, like when we were in Shetland uh, last, when was that, in July, two months ago already, time flies. But when we were in Shetland, you get you can get so close to these puffins where, you know, I'm stopping down, right? So I'm at F8, you know, if I'm really close and I want to get the eye and the bill and there's a li- they're not parallel, maybe I'm F11, you know, I'm stopping down. So I don't mind um, having more depth of field in those situations. It's the situations where I'm putting the animal in the environment that I prefer a much shallower depth of field. So yeah. in the back here, I shoot uh, great blue heron, snowy egrets and stuff, but I try to do it with an environmental perspective. So I'll, they'll be smaller in the frame and then I'll have like uh, loblolly pines and trees from the co. I have a uh, Canon. It's an old E. I bought it used. It's an EF uh, 200 F2. So I'll shoot those at F2. And that's when I love that because I'll get the bird in focus. And instead of doing anything in post, you can see the environment, but it's it's soft. It's almost like you took the clarity scale and went down a couple of points. Um, so yeah, I so actually, it's subtle. So yeah. you, you get you get the concentration on the bird and then you still yeah. get that feel of environment without it overwhelming the whole image. Yeah, no, I get yeah, it. The sharpness is yeah. only on the bird and everything else is rendered yeah. fairly, you know, Orton effect, if you will, but in camera. So I like yeah. the shallow depths of field in the wider perspectives versus the tighter perspectives, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, it does make perfect sense. But no, the, I think the micro four thirds in those cir- circumstances was, would be would be really cool, actually. But how do you how do you find the um, the ISO performance of the R three versus sort of you know the older camera bodies that you've owned from Canon over the years? I think it's great, actually. I think it's the best noise performer of all the Canon bodies that I've had. And this probably includes the one, the X-Mark III, although I had it for a short period of time. Um, yeah, it, it's it's interesting. I mean, over the years, as the camera bodies would come out from Canon, especially in the DSLR days, things would include, you know, they'd improve maybe, a, you know, third of a stop but some of these improvements you're like improving us by a stop in my opinion in terms of the iso performance so um the old rule was if i was shooting i wouldn't go over iso 6400 i go beyond that all the time now i don't even think twice um yeah and in addition to the the great noise performance on these cameras there's some awesome software products that are now competing even with Topaz. Topaz was the standard that everybody used for years you know topaz denoise and sharpen but um that dxo raw 
oh my God. I mean, uh, you know, I, <laughs> you can run some images out of that that are really, really high on the ISO side and they look amazing. So I don't let anything stop me at this point. I mean, so even I, Lightroom now, the, the denoise yeah. tool in Lightroom is really right. good. They have that. Yeah. And I've tried yeah. it. It's pretty good. Yeah, it is pretty good. You know, it is pretty good. And I think, you know, a lot of people listening to this will probably have Lightroom. And if you've got it on the subscription, which they will try and point you towards, obviously, you'll get mm -hmm. the update. And um, yeah, no, that's, that's, I would say it's, it's almost as good as Topaz. Yeah. Actually, it's not yeah. quite, but it's not far off. So no, I mean, I shot something on my, this walk I was telling you about, and I couldn't be bothered to get the tripod. I was just a kind of, it was, it was, I'm probably not going to use the image for anything. I just, it was just a, almost a record shot of, of, of the walk, I guess, but it was in really contrasting conditions, really shady. And I, to get the shutter speed that I really needed to take a picture handheld, I, I, I bumped the ISO up to 10,000 thinking, mm. oh, this probably won't be usable, but I got it back on the computer and I wouldn't have known. I mean, it was like a thousand wow. ISO shot from the D800. To be honest with you, wow. I just thought it was so good, and I thought this is this is why why are we even worried about this anymore? It's, yeah, you're you know, right. And and actually having that sort of 45 megapixel sensor as well, just resize it, just downsize it, and you lose a lot of it anyway. And it used to be where you know if you had a ton of megapixels packed into a sensor, you couldn't go too high on the ISO. It was just a couple of years ago where what was that camera I was shooting? It was a higher um oh geez i was 5 dsr yes 5d yeah, yeah yeah and yeah. um or no is it the five yeah 5 dsr i think it was ah, i remember it, it was a fix, 50 megapixel i'm pretty sure that was the name um if if i screw up somebody message in the comments of the podcast but it was like 50 megapixel this came out in 2017 time frame maybe even 2016 and it was great but you could not i mean if you push the iso on that it would look horrible now, um, you look at the R5, I mean, the R5 can perform so much better than that, uh, which was yeah. a couple and what, of years what's later. The, what's the pixel count with the R5? Uh, it four, I think it's 45 megapixels. 45, yeah. So it's, it's, a, it's the equivalent of the Z9, basically. Yeah. yeah. And to yeah. me, the sweet spot is right around there. I mean, the old um, uh, 5D Mark IV that I had, uh, I've had a lot of Canon cameras, as you could tell. Um, I'm kind of constantly buying and trading in, but I'm like, <laughs> it's like a swap meet over here, Rob. <laughs> um, it, yeah, it's that was what 30 megapixel. That's even a sweet spot, you know. The R3 that I'm shooting with mostly now is 24, which is okay. I just need to make sure that I'm not cropping in too much. I don't like to crop a lot, anyhow. Mm -hmm. I mean, if I'm shooting a macro shot and I want to highlight some sort of detail. I, I tend to crop in more in those situations, but if anything now these days, if I'm processing an image, I'm just cropping for to, to level the image or to work the edges to get some distractions out. But yeah, I'm not, a lot of people, in my opinion, go a bit overboard with cropping. They're cropping over 50%, 60% and they're throwing it on Instagram thinking. Well, well cause you can't, you can't see. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's an advantage there, but if, if I can't, if I can't hold something up on the big screen, on my, my map, my iMac or, you know, a larger screen, I just won't post it. I just, but I, then again, just, you know, if you're, if you're shooting 45 megapixels, cropping 50% is nothing anyway. I mean, if you, you think R3 you, is different. Yeah. 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 But I mean, if you're, if you're, uh, you know, you go back to the days of the, um, the original 5D at 12 megapixels. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, that I, I, I still sell pictures that I took, you know, with those cameras, they still sell yeah. on, on libraries. I mean, there's nothing wrong with them. You can print them at A3. You wouldn't know the difference. 
An old, an old say, friend of mine, Chuck, for the New York Times for years in New York, and uh, he always mentioned to me, he said, all I need is 11 megapixel. He goes, I shoot with 11 megapixel. That's fine for anything. That was his, <laughs> that was yeah, his Honestly, yeah. up to double page spread in a magazine, you you yeah. wouldn't, you know, it, it, it's absolutely fine for those sorts of things. Um, I mean, it, and to be honest, even if you go in billboard type stuff, you view it from so, from so far away. You don't need the yeah. pixel count anyway because it's it's kind of yeah. you know, <laughs> if you're printing it large, you're viewing it from further away. It's yeah, that's a problem too. Like I'll um, and I've done this in the past where I'll make larger prints for folks who are buying some some of my photos, or I'll even make them for myself. But I see a lot of people fall into that trap where the magnifying glass comes out and they're walking to one inch from the print. Oh, I'm like you're not supposed to look at it that way. When a print is this big, you're supposed to be way back, you know, and, and I, I guess it's, you know, human nature to pixel peep if you like photography, but, um, you know, yeah. Yeah. I had, I had a client do that to me once. I did some portrait work, uh, you know, years ago and I did take some prints, which I, I had printed myself and, uh, the magnifying glass came out, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> anyway, so you were waiting for a Sherlock too. Holmes and uh, yeah, yeah, I know. yeah, it was, you know. it was exactly like that. It was, it was quite amusing really, but uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, even, even if you, you know, even at the right standard, if it does come up soft and you know, there's other software tools, what is that gigapixel? And there's a few that, you know, where you can, oh, yeah, you do, can enlarge it and thing, add yeah. in detail. Um, and I've tried that a couple of times with some really large prints. It, it doesn't work that bad. It, it's actually, yeah. not, you know, no, it's, 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 it's okay. So the other thing I, I always thought is, you know, here we go again, comparing Nikon versus Canon, but <laughs> I always, I always thought were, were, were better, certainly maybe 10 years ago. Uh, and I don't know how this sort of now uh, plays out, you know, with, with the, the, the sort of current uh, camera bodies that we're using. I know a lot of people don't shoot JPEG uh, mm. and they just stick to raw. You got to shoot raw. But I still do at times shoot JPEGs and I sh I've shot a lot of JPEGs in the past. Uh, and I know that from some of the Canon shooters that I would talk to, they wouldn't shoot JPEG simply because what came out of the camera was mm. awful. Interesting. Uh, whereas I, I thought that the JPEG quality from Nikon, and I still do, is really really good so i don't know whether that's i don't know whether you have experience of that whether jpeg something you shoot on occasion but you know yeah. what are the jpegs like from I, from the canon i've never shot well i don't I, maybe i've done it once or twice and it's probably by accident um where i switched yeah yeah i i i'm surprised at that only in the sense that i always thought one of the things and again, this is just my eye too. I always thought the color science that Canon had was better than Nikon. I don't like, and this is just me from preference, Nikon, the way the, the blues in Nikon, I, they're a little too cyan for me. At least, again, I'm only going by Nikon shooters that I know. But these are multiple shooters and I see images. I don't like the color science on the blues. Um, so that's a little surprising to me. It could be true though. Um, I, I've never really shot in JPEG. Uh, unless it was an accident and I was not, you know, I was cursing and looking at it and saying, Oh no, those, those photos. Yeah. Never. But um, yeah, so no, it, it could be true. It surprises me a little bit, but again, it's all personal taste. Well, it's, it's funny you should say that because um, I do know for a fact that the science is different in those 
cameras, although people say, yeah, well, they share technology and blah, blah. But no, they are different um, because I know that the raw files, in, and I know it all comes down to white balance and this, that, and the other, but I have shot things with the same white balance settings in a studio environment with the Canon, and then I've done it again with it when I, when I changed to Nikon, mm. and it is different. It is, is one warmer and one's cooler. Yeah. Is that the yeah. general? Yeah. And, yeah. and the Nikon was Nikon. cooler, I think. Yeah. yeah. That's what yeah. I would. Yeah. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah. It was definitely because I, I did some, again, I, you know, so when I, when I used to do some commercial work, uh, I shot some, oh, they were masks. They were masquerade masks or whatever. So they wanted a uniform background. So I had this background cloth that I'd use all the time. And I switched cameras and I'd use the same lighting setup, the same you know settings on the camera and they were they were different you know when the raw files came out and as i said nikon was definitely cooler so it's it's funny how you know yeah. what you think should be the same actually isn't because of i don't know the processor the processor the sensor whatever whatever it is you know the files did not come out the same so you you know you had to to, to sort that out in post but, so. it, it, it's funny i mean my when it comes to Nikon, I think it's it's a double-edged sword with Nikon when it comes to cameras. I think, and history will look back at the DSLR generation, and it went a long time, but I think the greatest DSLR that was ever released was probably the DA50, and many people would yeah, agree. I'd agree. I'd agree with that. At the same time, and just not long after that, that D6 was a total flop. One One common criticism of Nikon, and this is the reason why I think they lost a lot of shooters, they were slow to pick up on the mirrorless re revolution. Of course, Sony started with it, um, and they had that technology for years. You know, when the um, what is it, the A9 came out, and this was like 2017. Canon was behind, Nikon was behind. They were still releasing, you know, 1DX, D5, but the D the D6 was kind of a flop. No one bought it. They, I don't even know if they marketed it. They were so behind the eight ball on that. So that kind of followed up, in my opinion, the D850, which was incredible. Canon quickly caught up with the R5 and the R6, which are, the R5 was a revolutionary camera. I thought, I, I still shoot with it. I love it. But it took Nikon a while to get to, you know, where they are right now with the Z9. They were behind Canon and Sony, at least in, at least insofar as the releases were concerned. And a lot of the, I think, Nikon shooters got impatient and some of them jumped ship. And every, a lot of, to the point where people were saying, oh, is Nikon going to make it? And uh, so um, I think their best moments uh, happened just before some of their lowest moments, in my opinion, when it comes to yeah. that. Of course, no, that's I'd, all I'd, I'd, I'd agree. Sort of as, as, a, as a Nikon shooter, obviously, I was waiting because, let's face it, you know, the Z6 the Z7 and the subsequent iterations of those cameras, the reviews from a wildlife perspective were not good. Uh, yeah. And most of them sort of focused, you know, <laughs> focused, pun intended, around the <laughs> autofocus system, which, you know, basically was, yeah, not, that, well, it wasn't very, it wasn't rated compared to other brands. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, and, quite rightly so from what i have read i've never i've never owned those cameras i've never shot those cameras i don't know but from what i've heard probably the um, reputation is deserved so i was waiting i wasn't going to jump in and and go down the route of you know of, of those bodies because they they kind of didn't do what i'd want them to do and they weren't enough for me 
to change from the 850 which mm. i mean we all know the we, we've talked about the advantages of mirrorless particularly in wildlife photography and the big one for for me uh is um silent shooting and being able to see the exposure through the viewfinder i think those are the two biggest things for me uh in terms of um you know digital versus uh you know traditional uh, yeah, uh mirrorless should i say yeah. uh versus you know the standard you know dslr uh you know with with the, with the mirror uh where was i going with this i've lost my train of thought to cut this <laughs> bit out where was i going with it i just i've t- had total brain fog Oh, it was um, you were talking about. Um... Oh, it's talking about the, the yeah that yeah. So I so basically I wasn't. I decided I wasn't going to go down the route of getting the Z6 or the Z7, and I would wait, uh, and I would just see what happened, because the thing is, when changing systems, it's not the cameras that are the issue. It's all the investment you've put into the glass that is the problem. Hmm. So I thought, uh, okay, so I could sell the stuff that I've got, but you know, you don't get what it's really worth secondhand, generally speaking, and you need, and then you're going to be buying new or whatever. There's always a premium. So it's always going to cost you a lot to change. And I didn't want to do that. Plus I was quite comfortable with, with, with Nikon and I kind of thought that they would eventually catch up. And the rumors were around for a while about the Z9. And then it came out and I waited and I thought, every, and then everybody started raving about it. Yeah, and the reviews were good, uh, and people that I know bought those. You know, I know and I trust their judgment. Bought the, you know, bought the camera body. They then they used it for three, six months, and they would tell me about it, and they'd tell me how fantastic it was. And then I made up my mind and just thought, right, okay, now everybody else has field tested it for me. I'll go and <laughs> buy one, and I and I'm, and I think it's. This was, they've come out with some amazing DSLRs. I think the the D800, when that came out, and that was 35, whatever it is, megapixels. I forget the exact count. I mean, that was just like, what the hell is going on there? Why would you ever need that many? You know, I can remember that discussion. And that was a game changer of a camera. Then the D850, as you say, you know, I, I don't think there are many people that would argue that that probably is the best DSLR ever made. Yeah. And I think the Z9 has, has well, it's certainly put them back on, on the map, uh, you know, and, and those people that stuck with Nikon, I think, have been rewarded at the end of the day because it is, I haven't used it extensively yet. I've only had it for like three or four months. But, you know, from my experiences in Shetland in particular, I mean, I was hanging over the side of the boat. It was getting soaked with oh. seawater, absolutely yeah. soaked. And you I know was what there, those like, are like. after you getting soaked yeah. in that same situation, that same boat. I know. Yeah, yeah you're right. You know, so you know how wet those the camera. And I'm thinking, salt water. This has cost me so. <laughs> and I just wiped it off, and it was fine. You know, yeah. and, I, and I thought this yeah. is. You could just feel, you know, the, the the build quality of it. And as I said, the things I was able to do with that camera that I couldn't do with the 850. I well, it, yeah. it I mean, blew the, my the, mind. I doubt the the D eight hundred probably didn't have a flip screen, did it? No. Yeah. No. So I mean, that in and of itself, if you're hanging over a boat, is a you know, and then add the AI in where you don't have to manually move the focus points. You can literally get birds in flight holding the camera away from you, looking down on it. I mean, it's a possibility. Yeah. 
Exactly. But yeah. um, actually, the flip screen is a really good point and something yeah. I was going to come on to talk about. Because if I have a major gripe about Nikon, is the screen. I mean, why does that not flip out, turn around and... Uh, oh, it doesn't? Uh, I thought no. it did. No, it just comes out and, you, you know, you can only... It, you know, it only sort of moves in that one plane. So it will come out and you can flip it up, you can flip it down, but you can't pull it out, turn it around. Mm. You know, it's, Interesting. It's, it's that I think is a really big mistake. That was a that complaint for years in the Canon world too, in the 1DX line and the DSLR days. And the, the maybe excuse, well, I'll say it, the excuse that everybody was told was that when you enter, when you introduce the flippy screen, it, um, it breaks a lot easier. So when you're in the cold wear and tear or whether you're shooting NFL games, you're, you know, a sports shooter or you're up in the Arctic or whatever, the flippy screen introduces more things that can go wrong and it makes it less rugged. That's what people were told. But that being said, on all the pro bodies now, uh, they're being introduced. So I don't know if that was BS or maybe, maybe it wasn't, but I know one thing. It's, it's huge if you want to be able to get low and not have to worry about getting low yourself. I mean, especially when you're on a boat, it's a game changer. You know, it really yeah. is. I mean, it, it said it, it said it'll come out, you know, and you can, you, so you can get low in a boat and it'll, you know, you can pull the screen out. You can look down on it. You know, if you are, uh, had it above your head, you could do it the other way around. You could pull it down so you can look up into it, but you can't switch it around. So you look at it from the lens and you can see the screen. You can't flip it into portrait. You know, so it's that is, I think, is a. I get why, but I think that's a mistake, and I think that's something they need to look at. That would, yeah. it's probably my biggest gripe hmm. with the Z9, I mean, actually. That's an interesting point. I mean, I would say my biggest gripe with the R3, which I'll call the Canon competitor because they don't have an R1, but it's the slots. So as far as the the memory cards go, so there's a CF Express Type B slot. And then there's an SD card slot, which is like, no, I mean, it's basically their, their flagship camera. So in my opinion, I'm sure the R1 will, but the R3, in my opinion, should have two CF Express type B slots. Cause I like to record on both cards in case a card fails. And I have that sense of security. Now, if I put in uh, the CF Express type B, and then I put an SD card and I want to record on both cards my it slows down the camera because yeah. in order to record both i'm recording at the speed of the sd versus to see if expressed ib so i think that's really really crappy and it's that you know canon crippled their r3 a little bit with that that said i will say uh sony has the cf express type a cards and i think the i think they can go nowhere near in terms of storage with the CF Express Type B. So I've got, you know, a one terabyte. I've got five twelves. I have friends who have two terabyte cards. So you go in the field <laughs> and you're shooting. I mean, you're laying the hammer down. Um, you don't have to worry about it. You can just keep shooting and shooting, and then you download when you get back from the shoot. When you're shooting with, um, I'm trying to think what the CF Express Type A. I think it's uh, maybe 165 gigabyte maybe i think it, it's nothing i mean especially if you're shooting 45 megapixels or 50 on 50 megapixels on the a1 yeah. you're there in no i mean time. exactly i mean that that that's a really good point i mean the, the z9 yeah. has two yeah which um, is that's actually really good which is which is really good and i, I think because they made that mistake with the z6 and 7 didn't they they didn't have those 
they had one. I think one of them only had one port. It didn't even have two. Oh, wow. I, I could be wrong. I could that, be wrong. Yeah, some but... of the consumer grade, you know, the like the R10 and I know the Rebel, you know, they would just have one. There would be one card in there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's really good. But as you say, you know, if you're shooting 20 frames a second in RAW, which is what the Z9 will do, and it's 45 megapixels, you are going to fill up your cards very, very quickly if you are doing something, you're shooting birds or other wildlife or you're doing sports or whatever it, whatever it is where there's lots of action going on. And, you, well, someone like Shetland, I mean, you know, as you oh. said, hammer down, those cards were full at the end of the day. Yeah, you know, and and actually, they take a hell of a long time to download. <laughs> oh, I know. You, you're standing on the cliff, and these you know puffins are coming in, you know, with eels in their mouth, and you're just like, brrr, you know, because you want to get that that perfect shot, or at least yeah. you know the wing posturing and everything else. So you're just going to keep shooting because that's not something you can just strategically plan for and just hit the shutter button. You got to lay the hammer down, and then one of those shots are going to be good, and you know, trading out a card every couple of minutes is you can't do that in the field. So I, I think. It's it's a major disadvantage from from a Sony standpoint. But isn't it amazing where we've gone? You know, in ten years, even in the card technology, mm. you know, and how how much storage Absolutely. we can get on such a small thing, and I how quickly it can rise. I mean, the cards yeah. now are the cost of what the cameras used to be. <laughs> well, actually, this was one of the things that held me back a little bit from changing early, because it wasn't just the cost of the camera body itself it was then the cars that would go with it so all the accessories they really mount up um you know so i had to have the adapter obviously because that's that's another thing i want to come and talk about actually is, is the lens mount um mm. so you have to have the adapter for the old you know f mount glass so that's another 250 pounds or whatever whatever it is uh you know then the cards i mean you know you can you can pay 600 pounds can't you or or seven hundred dollars for one card you see and, and then you buy two or three or four or you know and then all those so you're paying almost as much as the camera for, yeah. for cards uh, if you, you know if you want a pocket full of them a friend of mine has these terabyte you know multiple terabyte cards and they're also bringing hard drives with them I'm like what why do you even need to bring a hard drive you, the memory card in and of itself is a is a, it's a, is the size of your hard drive you know when you think yeah. about it it's but it's, it's another amazing. it's another backup isn't it i guess yeah. you know i mean actually when you think about it and it some of these trips just can't well you, you know cost thousands and thousands and you invest all that yeah. all that money you do not want a memory card to fail on yeah. you it's a sense of anxiety that, you know because like yeah. even when i was trying when kerm and i were in in shetland we would shoot all day and we're taking thousands and thousands of images and we get home you know or back to where we're staying with rebecca's bnb so we'd get back there and kerm would say well are you backing up i'm like nah i'm too tired i'll back up tomorrow and then he's backing up and i'm like you know shit you know i better back up. you know it, there's that yeah. sense of anxiety that you're gonna lose an image because i was only recording the one card as i was saying before i didn't have the the dual slot that i could so um anyhow it's always a sense of agita for me when i'm on a trip because i want to make sure that i have everything backed up and i don't lose anything yeah, no, I was doing that. You know, we were we were getting back to the you know to the accommodation at night, and um, you know Jennifer would pour the wine, and I'd you know turn the laptop on, and then and, and yeah, wait for however long it took to back up, 
however many thousand images I'd taken that day. And well, some days were busier than others. Obviously, we went out on the boat, and of course, that was just as you say, it was just hammer wow. down. You just come yeah. back, came back with some amazing stuff. Oh, I still haven't yeah, gone that, through it all. That, yeah, I have not. I've got my. Um, it's right. It's right here. I got to start. I've got all of my images on. I got a five terabyte hard drive, and I've just got to go through it. But uh, so yeah. hopefully this fall. <laughs> when, when the nights start drawing in and you have a little bit more time. That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh dear. So what's what's the? I guess what's the biggest? What's your biggest gripe with Canon? Well, I have to say, I think it's a resolution, probably resolution, the megapixels. They're always on the lower side. Um, and I, I can't say that, oh, I wish I had this much resolution or this could need, this needs more resolution, but just, it, it's always nice to have, um, you know, like again, the R3 is the flagship that's 24 megapixel. Uh, Nikon's flagship is, is it 50 Rob? 45, the Z9? 45, yeah. 45, mm, the A1 yeah. is 50. So uh, now the R5 is um, 45 megapixel and I can shoot 20 frames a second. But the disadvantage there is you're shooting 20 frames a second at um, instead of 14 bit, it's 12 bit raw. So it's the compressed. Um, you, you're not shooting, um, you're not able to shoot that uh, 14 bit raw at 20 frames a second. You can, you know, in order to get the 14 bit, you have to shoot with the mechanical shutter, which is like 12 frames a second. So Although I have to say the R3, it's 30 frames a second, 14-bit raw. Um, and I think the Z9 is 20, right? So yeah. so the R3 is yeah, faster, but I wish, we, I, I wish it had more resolution. There's always something Canon looks to, I'll say use that word intentionally because people call it the cripple hammer, but they'll cripple uh, you know, their cameras to a certain extent. So you know, you're going to buy another version or the R1, obviously we'll have certain things, but uh, I'd have to say it's probably resolution. They make their own sensors, you know, Nikon, I think that those are still, they have been, I don't know if it's changed. They are Sony sensors, but um, Canon makes their own sensors. And I don't think they're at par with Sony when it comes to yeah. that technology. The resolution is a little too low for me. It always has been. Yeah. And have you got that? Um, because obviously on the Z9, they've got this sort of what, uh om call pro capture this sort of pre-capture type uh, oh, yeah. thing where where basically you if you are if you or if you activate the mode you can have to press the shutter and it's already buffering images but it only records them when you hit the shutter button so it records like however many frames you want to set the camera to record before you you know when you hit the shutter button so in other words if you want to take a bird taking off in flight and normally you'd miss it because it's a fraction of a second and your reaction isn't quick enough if you're half to press the shutter button and then you press it when the bird takes off and you think you've missed it you haven't because it then records it writes those images it's sort of buffering to the card so you don't miss that action but they don't allow you to do that in raw it's only jpeg you so you have to enable this sort of jpeg and that's a bit to me that's frustrating uh, that's the that's the z9 does yeah, that right yeah you, i see yeah yeah olympus was way ahead of the game on that uh, yeah they were say, yeah. Uh, a lot of the micro fourth well maybe panasonic too i think they had it i don't i think when it comes to that pro capture and image stabilization the micro four thirds cameras were way ahead of their time and i think it took a little while for canon nikon sony um some of the other the the bigger brands whatever you want to say to catch up with that 
Yeah, I mean, I remember that uh, I had a pro loan from uh, well Olympus as they were then. This, this was five years ago because I remember, um, you know, Claire came to the house and we'd only just moved in, so that must have been five years ago. Um, and she went through all, you know, Claire Harvey May from uh, Owen System, um, who hopefully we we're going to get on the podcast at some point. Um, you know, with a little interesting discussion we've got sort of uh, lined up, hopefully with her at some point. Um, anyway, and she was going through all these things, and that must have been five years ago. It was a pro capture. It was the image stabilization, all this fantastic technology, you know, which is only just sort of bleeding through into the other brands over the last sort of two or three years so yeah they, they were way ahead of the game yeah definitely which is, it's exactly why i looked at uh, their system canon changed their lens mount didn't they with with the mirrorless like nikon have also done yeah and i have to say that one of my major uh problems with nikon from when I started shooting with them was I felt the quality of their lens mount wasn't nearly as good as Canon having shot both systems. So I'm actually glad they've changed because I've never changed my mind. I just thought it was, it, it's something that I think, you know, is, is very historic and it, it didn't keep up with the technology because they didn't want to, uh, I think people have invested so much in glass because we all know that we're, that's that, you know that's where the major expense is, and I think when they sort of went from the traditional film SLRs to DSLR, they didn't want to introduce that as well. Uh, and but that that old mount system was was I I didn't think was very robust, and mm. I had a, I had a couple of issues with it, you know, breaking pins and you know contacts going and that sort of thing. Uh, from what I've seen, the new Z mount is much, much better. Um, mm. But obviously that involves investing in new glass, which I haven't got to yet, but we'll do it at some point. Yeah, I, I, I'm a hybrid shooter when it comes to, I guess, the lenses, because I there's still some older EF, which was the old Canon line, the DSLR line, uh, lenses that I've shot for years that I love. Like I was mentioning before, that 200 F2, it's an amazing portrait lens, and it's great for, I think, wildlife. So I, I've kept that. My 600 is an old EF 600. I can't bring myself to upgrade because the new one is just kind of the same lens with it's, it's just the connect. You don't, you don't need the adapter. So it's a little shorter, I guess, but, um, I, I can't see myself upgrading. Um, so I, I've, I'm a mix of what, what is the RF mount, which is the new mirrorless, uh, lineup and then the EF lineup. Um, so it's, it's kind of fine. I, what I've done because it was a pain for me in the field to uh, uh, take the adapter off of one lens and put it on another. So I, I kind of sucked it up and I bought a couple adapters. So because I only shoot um, mirrorless now, the R5 and the R3, I just, every EF lens that I have, I bought the adapters for. So I just, so I keep the adapter on the lens. So it's just, you know, plug and play versus taking the adapter off. And it's, it, it's a lot of work in the field. Like, I mean, if you're in a shoot and you really need to switch and something's going on, it can maybe, it, it cost me images early on. Cause I had to take the, yeah. not only the lens off, I had to take the adapter off, switch it on another lens and put it on. It's, it delays. Yeah, if the, you're, if you're shooting a mixture of, of the lens yeah. mounts, presumably. Yeah. 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 And what about, um, what about the sort of selection of lenses that have the, the new mount lenses that are coming from Canon? What's that look like now? 
I think they're great. I mean, I've got the RF 100 macro, which I use a lot. Um, I, I shoot a lot more macro since wild art because some of the yeah. most incredible <laughs> stuff is macro and it really, you know, and in, in judging, you know, you, you see a lot of great macro work. So the, the macro is incredible. Um, it's, it's awesome. Um, what else do I have? I've got some landscape lenses. I've got, well, the 24 to 105, which is pretty standard works fine. Um, I've got the, uh, what do I have? A 14 to 35. That's pretty good too. Um, for some, you know, wide angle, uh, work, uh, landscapes, animals up close, horses and stuff. I've used it for I'm trying to think what else I have. Oh, the 70 to 200 is dynamite. It's excellent. Yeah. It's really, really good. Um, it's lightweight and it's small, it's compact. And I also have the 100, um, to 500, which it's seven one at 500 was, eh, it's okay, but it's great. And you know, it's a good focus. The old EF system was 100 to 400. This adds another hundred millimeters in focal length, which is kind of nice. Yeah, but of course, but it would Nikon have been better was, if it was 6.3. Yeah. Yeah. Nikon have just released this 180 to 600, 6.3. Mm. That's nice. And Talk I about have, versatility. I mean, yeah. And yeah. it's, it's a reasonable price as well. It's not going to break the bank. And you just think mm. uh, that's where, that's where I think some of these manufacturers have got it right when they start uh, introducing lenses like this. Yeah. I know you can go online and there are people that will tell you, you've got to have an F4, 500 mil, 600 mil, you know, you've got to, you can't shoot in low light, blah, blah. Anyway, I, I, yeah, I, I, I don't have, agree. I, I've always found that if, if I take one lens with me and I say, I'm just only going to shoot with this lens and you know, you're creative, you will come up with good images. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, you'll, you'll work with the limitations of the lens and you'll take advantage of what the advantages are of the lens. So, uh, you know, I think that's always kind of BS, you know, when people say, well, yeah. and, and it's, it's bad for a lot of people too, because I've been in this situation. If I go out and I have all my lens or a lot of my lenses, and I have, I almost always instinctually grab that 600. I'm like, why am I grabbing this 600? What it's just because it's the biggest lens, right? I mean, your, your mind goes to it and that's what you want to pick up. And I'm like, no, I'm leaving this home and I'm only taking the 70 to 200 and I'm gonna see what I come up with. And half the time, more than half the time, I like the lenses. I like the images from the 70 to 200 better. Yeah. I mean, quite often I will go out and I'll just take the one lens and <laughs> normally it's the 200 to 500. I have to be honest, but I mean, that in itself gives you quite a good range. Yeah. You know, but it, I have to remind myself that, you know, I don't have to shoot at 500 all the time, <laughs> you know, because that, you know, when you've got a zoom lens, I do tend to find that I shoot at the, yeah, at the higher end of it most of the time, you know, and I have to do have to remind myself that, you know, I don't have to do that, but uh, no, that's probably my go-to lens. But I, I really, yeah, I, I think the first lens I'm going to buy probably is the 180 to 600. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. I've heard great things about that lens too. And again, the versatility, you know, and it's yeah, always it's nice right. too, if you're too, if you're close, um, to an animal, I mean, you can change the composition up instantly. You can get a close headshot or you can zoom out. And with that, with that range, you can do a, <laughs> you can a do a bird in the environment, animal in the environment and, you know, do a headshot. So, yeah. And apparently it'll yeah. even work with a converter. I'm not so sure about, you know, the light so and Speaking of converters, the one thing, again, I, I've never been a Nikon shooter, but what I've always heard and I've seen in the field, I've seen converters thrown in the field against rocks. 
with expletives. I Nikon, in, at least in the old DSLR days, what was it? Um, they had a one seven, I think it was. And was yeah, it one four, times? one seven, and a two times. Okay, yeah. So the one yeah. seven and the two times, I'm gonna say just Sucked. based on feedback, were never the best performers in the field. Um, Correct. A lot of you know expletives and things were thrown, and I've seen it, and I've looked at the results. And, Canon, I thought, had the edge then when it, Canon had a one four and a two times, which worked great. I still use them actually. Um, uh, what the Mark threes, I guess they were, and they these are probably seven, eight, nine years old at this point, and they were excellent. Um, but Nikon, not so much for the teleconverters. That could have changed in in the new mount. The the one fours are all right. The one fours oh, yeah. work That's quite what I well. Heard. I've got it I've got a one seven and the two times. Yeah. I heard were like. You know, artistic however, blur, you can put them on. <laughs> however, I do hear good reports about the latest Z mount adapters. Okay. Uh, so I think they've ironed out those optical issues that they had with those converters, probably because, <laughs> yeah, I, I, was, I was told that, you know, it, don't waste your money on a two times because it is just appalling. I wouldn't have bought the 1.7 either. I don't, you know, I, the 1.4 was okay. I can't use it with some lenses. It it doesn't work with a two to five, you know, just forget it. Yeah. Uh, and I, I don't, I don't use it a lot anyway. I tend to use it actually just with the macro. So with a prime macro lens, it's, it's great. If you just want that mm. bit of extra reach with the macro, yeah. it works, it works fine. But apart from that, oh, it, it used to work great with a 70 to 200 as well. Okay. The 70 to 200 2.8, which is a like the like the Canon, because I had the 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 Canon EF 70 to 200 2.8. And I and okay. I like you, I thought that was a fantastic lens. And I think Nikon is is as good because I've shot I've shot with two those two lenses. So I it, think that's as good. That's good to know. And in those situations where I was just describing for the one seven and the two times teleconverter, it, and they weren't in situations where they were they were trying to get reach to the subject. There's heat haze, the subject's a million miles away. These were situations where they were fairly close, right? And they wanted to get maybe more detail or go in, you know, so it wasn't one of those cases where, you know, there's a bear across the field, it's 80 degrees and there's heat haze rising from it, right? And it looks like, you know, Shiza, yeah. but it wasn't that. It was you know, the situations where the lens was expected to perform, you know, it wasn't a user error thing. And I, I have, I've never heard good things about those teleconverters. Yeah. So what's the one thing, what's the one thing you would change about what you shoot now? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, well, I'll tell you, um, Pro, and again, it goes back to, I guess, my complaint. Um, two things, really. Uh, and I would up the resolution, at least uh, on the R3, I would up the resolution and I'd have two um, CF Express type B slots so I can, you know, record to two cameras. Yeah. The R3, I wish I could shoot 20 frames a second and not shoot at compressed RAW and do the, the four, I guess it would be the 14 bit, the full RAW, if you will. Those yeah. are the two things. I'm working around the edges on it though. At the end of the yeah. day, they're not huge, huge things, um, incremental changes, but I'm hoping, I'm hoping that stuff will be solved with the R1. But again, how much is the R1 going to be? And if I get the <laughs> R1 is the R, I would imagine if the R3, R1 comes out and it's like 50 plus megapixel and it's faster than the R3, then the R5 and the R3 are completely redundant, right? Or they're both not as good. Not uh, Neither of them stand up. So I would just sell both of those cameras and then get yeah. the R1. 
Um, but we'll see what happens. TBD on that. Yeah, I think for me it would be the flippy screen, mm. which is, I yeah, I think they've made an error there, uh, and they you know it should be more versatile, uh, and probably the um, the lack of raw with the pre capture. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know the lack of that. raw option. Yeah, it, it which is which is kind of annoying, um, and has made me not want to experiment with it so much. But I, I, I should do really because the JPEGs are so. Uh, you know, I went on about how good the JPEGs were, um, so I should do really. But it, it's kind of annoying that I think, and it's it's amazing yeah. how we haven't we haven't talked about video capabilities at all with these cameras because I just I mean if you're like me I don't. I don't tend to shoot a lot of video. Yeah, um, me either. I do slow mo stuff, like in. But I, I have to say again, just objectively from a video standpoint, the critiques have always been on the side of Canon versus Nikon, especially with autofocus. Yeah. Um, the, with the, the dual pixel, and you know, Canon has always gotten better reviews for video than Nikon. Um, Sony and Canon both, I would think. But again, I'm not. I don't use it enough. I can't say from from my own personal experience, but, um, objectively when you watch the YouTube videos and you hear all the pros out there, it seems Canon is, and that yeah. was revolutionized in the 5d series, right? In the DSLR days, the, yes, the video functionality that started was a big deal and that kind of continues on. So, yeah, cause it's cool. so much more important to a lot of people now. Yeah. You know, I mean, it not, not really to the likes of you and me who I mean, just, just, you know, our passion is stills, but yeah, yeah. I I guess I'm going to explore that side of it a little bit more because I I do think that you know with with YouTube and wanting to perhaps sort of push the channel a bit more you know there there's footage that I'm going to want to capture and edit into some of the videos that I'm I'm thinking about producing over the next few months so yeah I'll be interesting to to explore that but I think that from what I've heard and I said I don't speak from experience because I've not shot video with the Z9 yet but a lot of those autofocus issues, if it's anything like the stills, I think they've they've probably ironed out most of the problems that they had. Because certainly, I didn't have an issue with the you know with the autofocus, uh, you know when I when I went to Shetland, and that's kind of using it almost straight out of the box because hmm. I didn't didn't shoot a lot before I went to Shetland, you know with with the Z9. But uh, yeah, no, I, I think so. From my point of view, I guess my major problems, yeah, flippy screen. The flippy and, screen, uh, yeah. yeah, the flippy screen and this sort of pre-capture not doing raw. I think those are probably my, yeah, probably my my biggest gripes. So, what's the thing you like yeah. the most? Um, yeah. a couple of things, I guess. The speed, no doubt. I would say, specific with the R three, it's a speed because it's thirty frames a second. And you know, if if you have an action sequence, I had a uh, a young osprey out here a couple of weeks ago. Um, first year bird and it is learning how to dive. So it's on its own. It, 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 it annoys the parents every so often, but so, um, it was on a, um, an old tree back here. I think it was an old, um, it was a black locust tree. No, was it black locust tree? It was that, or, um, it was, it wasn't a loblolly, but anyhow, it was on this smaller tree and it, it just kept diving in the water and it would miss and come back up. It was the perfect opportunity. So, and it didn't care about me. First year birds don't seem to, you know, they, they haven't learned that. They haven't learned that humans yeah, aren't good. Be scared news, of humans because yeah. we're like the worst <laughs> thing on the planet, but they haven't learned that yet, thankfully. And so I kayaked up and I was just watching this bird go down and, you know, shooting 30 frames a second. It's amazing. So speed, 
Um, and, and I'm not just a behavior shooter, but I like to have it. Um, yeah, having that speed, I think, is invaluable. So I would say probably the speed of the camera, no doubt. Yeah, I think I'm with you on that one. That's one uh, one thing that sort of revolutionized, I think, my photography over the last few months is is the speed. And, I, you know, like you say, it's not all about the speed in a lot of situations, but it really does make a big difference if you are shooting behavioral a behavioral sequence where you can you've got so many more choices you know where the wing position might be in a slightly different place or you know there are just so many more choices and you can almost get the perfect frame so that is really cool and i actually uh, you know come back to where we started i actually like really like the ergonomics of it yeah i just think it you know it, it for me it just fits my hand perfectly uh and it just it feels right there's something that you can't describe, I think, with, with, with cameras, and and that is, you know, when something just fits. You need to feel feels, part of the camera. It's like an extension yeah. of your body. And I think yeah. if the buttons are there's enough spacing, meaning the camera is a little larger to provide enough spacing for the buttons, it's easy for your muscle memory to you know accommodate that, and you can you know you don't have to look. Obviously, your fingers move, and you you can do whatever you want when the buttons are really close and it's so compact and it doesn't, you know, fit nicely in your hand, you can run into problems because you had literally have to look at the camera and make sure, you know, you're hitting stuff you shouldn't be hitting. Right. So you, so yeah, I think it's important. You're right. Underrated, so we, underrated thing too. Most people yeah. don't talk about ergonomics. No. So what we should do uh, in the interests of, um, you know, being uh, being fair to all the manufacturers out there is actually get some uh, some Sony and some other manufacturers of OM shooters on and uh, and talk to them about why they like their systems. So uh, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll plan it. We'll plan in some of those. We'll get some more guests on. You know, as we you know as as we sort of go on uh, the podcast journey a little further. Um, so, but we've got lots of other stuff that we've already been talking about josh and and trying to line up so uh i, I did talk to rebecca this week so um you know oh, we'll, we'll get rebecca nason on very shortly and we'll we'll have a chat about shetland that might be next up i said i've got hopefully you know uh om system coming on and we can we can have a chat about um well ai actually is what we we, we thought we'd chat about with them so look out for that one and yeah all and we'll get some, you know, we'll get some OM, an OM shooter on, we'll get a, a Sony shooter on and, you know, some other brands and, uh, you know, we'll have some conversations, uh, you know, as, as, as we go through uh, the future months, um, you know, in other episodes. But uh, if, you know, why don't you leave a comment in the comments section below and tell us what you shoot and and, uh, and why you like the system, um, you know, yeah, give, it, give us your opinion. That, that'd be great. And of course, you know, if you've enjoyed you know, listening to our, our waffle um, <laughs> and our discussion on our cameras uh, and, it, and it resonates with you, then, uh, you know, please do leave us, uh, you know, a like and a, and a rating and, you know, put any comments you'd, you'd like to in the, in the comments section on whatever uh, podcast platform you're listening to this on. That would be much appreciated uh, because, you know, the algorithms pick up on these these things and, they then promote the podcast to other people. And of course, that's what it's all about. And if you've enjoyed it, then I'm sure there, there may be other people that would enjoy it too. So, you know, and do tell your friends, you know, share stuff on social media, share, share a link on social media. That would be much appreciated if, uh, you know, if it's if it's been entertaining and you've, you've, you've enjoyed our chat. So uh, anyway, Josh, what's, what's next for you over the coming weeks? 
Uh, not too much, really. I'm just going to, you know, shoot around the house, see what's cooking, see what's moving in. I think, um, geez, in the next few weeks, some ducks will start to come in. And that's really the high time for where I live on the eastern shore of Maryland. It's known for waterfowl and ducks and, in the wintertime. And in the cove here behind my house, I'll have um, tons of stuff. Tundra swans will be in in, in good numbers. Um, and some other buffleheads, uh, gadwall, Canada geese. Um, so things are going to start to change over. So I'm going from turns, herons, uh, to more waterfowl. So I'll be looking for yeah. those changes and do some shooting and, you know, work on eventually planning my next trip. Um, you know, uh, looking to go forward to, I think I mentioned, uh, uh to the Falklands in February. So that's going to oh, be, that'll be epic. Yeah. That's going to be on the agenda. And, uh, I'd love to maybe get away for a week or so sometime before the holiday season to shoot in the winter time. You know, I'd love to do Yellowstone or maybe Grand Teton or something like that. Yeah. No, fantastic. You know, well, I'm, I'm probably going to do some, well, is it like you sort of water birds are now sort of coming back onto my radar, uh, with all the sort of, uh, autumnal mists and things coming, coming in. Uh, and I guess fungi as well. Now that sort of season mm. is 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 upon us, and the leaves will start turning. So some woodland stuff, and then I go away to Wales at the end of October, beginning of November. Um, you know, for a, well, special event, and uh, anyway, away for a week there. So that that'll be fun. I'll go and you know do some stuff on the coast, maybe. Uh, yeah, and I, after that, I think. We'll be going back. Oh, we're going to yeah, we're going away again over Christmas. So, going to Yorkshire. So there might be some stuff with you know dippers or something like that. We, we it's not really dipper time of year, but um, <clears throat> might be able to do something like that in Yorkshire. Uh, and then I think back to Wales again in January on the coast, uh, a place we stayed at over Christmas last year actually, and it's literally right on the beach. You know, and you wake up to the sound of curlew and turnstone mm. and oyster catcher coming in through the bedroom window. So literally I can roll out of bed, put my waders on and just go and, you know, photograph those things, you know, on the beach, you yeah. know, and, uh, you know, might with, with a mug of coffee in hand. Shetland. Might be the yeah. same curlew as we saw in Shetland, right? I mean, maybe they yeah, might be. <laughs> yeah, it might be. Yeah. But uh, no, it'd be, be, you know, so that I'm looking forward to all that. So, yeah, lots of stuff coming up. And uh, yeah, we you know obviously wild art is rolling on as well, and we're going through the process of uh, you know of, of judging those sort of monthly contests. So before you know it, we'll be looking at sorting out the overall winner of that, which will be quite exciting, and working on plans for next year as well. So you know because we're going to change things around a, a little bit again, and um, you know something something new as well for wild art for next year, sort of not really competition related. Uh, which I'm, I'm kind of working on too. So yeah, this is lots, lots going on and uh, you know, certainly keep myself busy, but uh, yeah. Anyway, Josh, great discussion as always. Yeah, so, this was yeah. awesome. I love Thanks talking about that. this stuff without getting into the whole techie stuff. Cause you can, <laughs> you know, argue that till the cows come home, but it's fun. Well, to uh, yeah. And, and there, you know, if you want to talk techie stuff, you know, there's plenty of stuff on YouTube and other podcasts that will do that. Um, that's kind of not what we, we do we just you know this is this is just two friends having a chat about photography generally so um you know we just we don't plan it really it's just organic and we just we just let it take us wherever it takes us so uh yeah thanks for thanks for listening to our ramblings which i, <laughs> I hope you've enjoyed anyway josh great to see you thanks Likewise. thanks again and uh thanks everybody for listening and uh we'll see you all again in the next one talk soon everybody thanks 
You have been listening to the Wildlife Photography Podcast. If you have enjoyed the content, then please help us to spread the word by sharing a link on your social media platforms, giving us a like and leaving us a comment. See you all again next time.